Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text for our sermon is Isaiah 55 verses 10 through 11. Just as the rain and snow come down from the sky and do not return there unless they water the earth, make it give birth and cause it to sprout and it gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So it will be with my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. Rather, it will accomplish whatever I please and it will succeed in the purpose for which I sent it. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, With no office up here at the church, it's by coincidence if you find me up here working. And it happened to be that there was a man who by coincidence happened to come up here, was going to meet a friend at our church because it's a good landmark. And by mere coincidence, his friend happened to be running late. And by coincidence, he happened to be driving a car that looked like somebody I knew's car, and I thought it was that person, and I went outside. He was impressed to have a pastor who was waiting for people to show up. He didn't know. This led to quite a conversation, and, and he explained to me his Christian background and everything, but he started asking a lot of questions. When he was done, he thanked me for my time. His friend had showed up and they went on their way. But brothers and sisters in Christ, there were too many coincidences there. I may never see that man again, but I know God had ruled over all time and creation for me to be here at that time to talk with that man and share the word of God that he needed that day. I may never see him again, but today's text was one of the things that came to my mind. God's promise that I had not just wasted my time. He had planned for me to help, in this case, nourish the word that was already planted. And so our sermon theme for today is God's word always has an effect. That's God's promise to you. And we'll see that effect in conversion, after conversion, and into eternity. Now, when it comes to conversion, people can get confused that God's word must do the work. And so today it's pretty common that churches insist on having coffee bars to help attract people. And it's very important. And of course, we recognize if people came in and we were rude to them, it would be no surprise if we never saw them again, right? But we can get confused for showing God's love for what actually converts. And in fact, in the early days of America, as America, after those Salem witch trials, kind of was disgusted by Puritanism and started moving towards what we call decision theology today, that was really impacted by men like Jonathan Edwards who had an anxious bench. You screamed at the people, you whipped up their emotions, and you got them to that bench, and it was the bench they thought that converted them. And they bragged that thousands would come in and be converted. But that's not what God promises. God promises that he works through his word. That is clear in today's text. And so we really don't need any gimmicks to bring people to Christ. We simply share the word. Now, 
The main message of the Old Testament is that the Savior's coming. The main message of the New Testament is that the Savior has come and he will return again. And so if we put that together, the big message of the Bible is that God has taken on human flesh, did all of the work for your salvation, lived a perfect life for you, and then wanted to take your sins away so he died on the cross for you. We call that the gospel. And we say, therefore, you are declared not guilty but God makes one demand there that you believe. We're going to get into that in a minute. So we need people to know that they're a Savior, and when you share the word that they have a Savior, you're proclaiming the word. But there's another teaching of Scripture. It serves that, if you will, and that's the law. The law is not the forgiveness of sins. The law always accuses us of our sin. It is like the umpire. It can only call the strikes and the hits and the foul balls. Sinner, sinner, sinner. That one was good. Sinner, sinner, sinner. But the law can never empower you, just like an umpire can never empower somebody to actually hit the ball. It can never empower you to keep its demands. It can only tell you when you've hit or missed. Period. See into discussion. So the law's job actually is to plow. It rips our hearts open so that we find ourselves without excuse because we have a sinful nature that will sit there and say things like, How dare God expect me to be holy? Who is God who subjected this world to decay to turn around and get mad at me when I fall under that decay? And over and over again. But then the law comes and it, can, it, it rips our hearts open. And then we become like the tax collector when Jesus told about the Pharisee and the tax collector who went to the temple. The tax collector knew he was a sinner. All he could do was beat his chest and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. With the law having ripped our heart open, showing us, exposing to us that we need a Savior, then the precious news comes that God is our Savior. Now, that good news of salvation in Christ makes one demand. It demands that you believe. Just like John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. However, unlike that law that cuts our hearts open but cannot empower us to keep it, the good news of salvation in Christ actually empowers us to keep its demand because when we hear it, the Holy Spirit comes and enters our hearts. Now, this happens in one of two ways. Rain. When you live in a desert region, sometimes you may be aware that you get a quarter inch or a half inch of rain. Uh, it rarely happens and then cactus bud and flourish and all of a sudden there's growth out in the desert. Some people, that law rips their heart open, they hear about their Savior and bam, they become believers. That's not always the case. Do you notice our text talked about snow watering the earth as well? Before I served you, I, I had the privilege of serving farmers, and many of them lived outside of town, and they hated heavy snowstorms. They hated blizzards because when they hit, they would have to wait for the county plow to come and open up the road and then the state plow to open up the highway, etc. And even after all that, they'd probably have to run their own tractor to open up their driveway into their farm. 
And so when you got a good snowstorm, they could be isolated for three days to a week. Even though under those circumstances, who wouldn't resent a good snowstorm? They often told me about the silver lining behind that cloud. You see, when you get snow that accumulates and melts gradually into the soil, it releases nitrogen into the soil. They call snow the poor man's fertilizer. So, you've heard me say from this pulpit many times, I, I've seen it in my own life, high school friends where when I was in high school, I shared the word with them and it seemed to have no effect. And then years later, I bump into them and lo and behold, here is a believer. What happened? Well, Fred, I was listening. As the Apostle Paul stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, some people plant, some people water. And that snow of the word had that gradual effect of releasing nitrogen as the law plowed the heart and the gospel continued to plant and nourish and grow. So this is how conversion works. And this is God's promise to you. If you have a friend you're worried about, what do you go to? You don't have to worry about whipping him up with emotional songs and everything. Go to the Word. Share the Word as God presents the opportunities for you. Now, God's Word always has an effect. So what about those people who heard the Word and end up unbelievers when it's all said and done? The ultimate example, there are two. In the Old Testament, there is Pharaoh. God let Moses know from the get-go, just going to ask Pharaoh to let the people go to worship, working towards asking him to release them, but he never will. Every time he hears my word, he'll harden his heart towards it until finally I say, fine, have it your way. When you hear my word now, it will harden your heart. You really have to resist the word to get to that point. And it finally got to the point where the people of Egypt told Pharaoh, just let him go while we still have a nation worth sticking around for. The New Testament ultimate example of hardening the heart is the disciple Judas who betrayed the Lord. Think about it. Every day he got to hear the good news of salvation in Christ right from Christ's lips. He got to share that message. Christ empowered him and let him do miracles to validate that message. And when it was all said and done, he loved money more than he loved God. The word finally had the effect of working against his heart, not softening it. That was his choosing, and the devil found a heart that was willingly possessed. Peter committed a similar sin when he denied the Lord, but Peter had not hardened his heart. He turned to the Lord for forgiveness, and he had received forgiveness. Judas despaired. He could not believe that he could be forgiven, and he hung himself. Brothers and sisters in Christ, sometimes, which is not the effect God intends for it to have, the word is going, for those who continually persist in resisting it, is going to harden their heart. And on judgment day, the word will say, I came to you and you resisted me over and over and over again. But our joy is that is not God's intended effect. That's not what God wants, for he wants all people to be saved. So that friend, that neighbor, that relative that you're always worried about, here is God's promise to you. When God opens up the door, proclaim the law, not like a Pharisee, as if you think you're better than them. Proclaim the law to show them they need a Savior and let them know they have a Savior and let God do the work. He promises he will. Now, 
As I talk to you about the anxious bench is one of the many gimmicks human beings have come up with thinking that God's word needs our help. And they, they would often have a thousand people convert in one big revival. I was reading a book not too long ago written by a minister who had been alive at that time. And, and he went around and did the research afterwards. Oftentimes, three months later, of those thousands who supposedly had converted, there'd only be 20 left in the congregation. You see, there's more to just being converted in the word. We need to be nourished in the word. We've seen God's word always has an effect, and and we've seen that effect in conversion, and that the big intention is to convert you. But God wants us to stay in that word. So let's see how that word works after conversion. After you believe... You know, when you first converted, you're like, as Paul said in, in the first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 3, people who are needing infant's milk. But when you come to the word over and over again, you're nourished and you grow strong and you get into the deeper doctrines of Scripture while always remembering the greatest lesson of Scripture is that you have a Savior. And so that law that one time ripped your heart open, it continues to show you your sin. And because of the gospel promise, you continue coming and confessing your sins and hearing the good news that your sins are forgiven. This is a comfort because in this life, even after conversion, we must struggle with our sinful nature. And that law, when we struggle with it, that law actually has a different purpose it can only have on Christians because with the gospel, the good news of salvation, we're now motivated to keep that law not in order to be saved, but because we are children of God. And that law now shows you what good works are. It's not what so many people think, you know, like in Martin Luther's time, if you think that if you crawl on your knees up the highway to Casper Mountain, then somehow you're doing a good work. No, the the law shows you what good works are. And it says, there you go. Look at what you just did. You did a good work. And so we continually come to that word and it continues to nourish us with the forgiveness of sins and it helps us grow in our life of sanctification, as we call it. That's reflecting God's love because we are saved. And that works just like those rains. Sometimes you and I in our lives, we're struggling with the sin and we fall and the word immediately comes and we're forgiven. Other times we struggle in that word. It's like the snow and it's nourishing us to empower us to fight that as we grow in the strength and to trust more in God. And in fact, like that snow slowly melting, releasing nitrogen into the soil. In this life, God gives us crosses. He subjected this world to decay. And he uses those crosses to keep us in the word, to show us where our weaknesses are, to show us where our strengths are. And so here again, after conversion, when you hear these words of Isaiah, this is God's promise to you. His word always has an effect. And after you're converted, that word is assuring you and keeping you in your salvation and growing your faith. But there's an ultimate goal in all this. It's not just so that you remain faithful to God in this life. Christ is going to return. He's going to give us the new heavens and the new earth and a glorified body. I got to Buffalo last week and found out one of our members had unexpectedly received eternal glory 48 hours earlier. I got home, one of our members here who has been a shut-in had found out earlier that she had cancer in her brain and they, doing more scans, found out that it had spread throughout her body. Being older, 
not being of very good health, she looked at that and said, I can't survive that treatment. I will go home and trust in the Lord. You see, God is preparing us to know that this world's subject to decay. We don't want to get too attached to it. Through that word planted in our heart, God is keeping us in that salvation. Like the snow gradually releasing nitrogen in the soil as it melts, God's word is staying in your heart so that when it's your time of judgment, you can meet your maker with joy, knowing He's going to rip your sinful nature away and you'll be before the throne of God waiting happily in peace in paradise until Christ returns when he's going to raise up all believers. He'll send all the unbelievers back to where they belong. But all believers will be given their glorified bodies in the new heavens and the new earth where we will remain forever in the wonderful love of the Lord, free from our sin, free from the decay that this world originally was subjected to. So when you hear God telling you that just as the snow and the rains water the earth, so it will be with my word that goes forth from my mouth. Remember, this is God's promise. I'm keeping you in your salvation until I give you your new and glorified body. Just like the rain comes down in the snow and eventually it evaporates back up to the sky God has sent his word into your heart and plans on bringing you up in heaven. And so we've seen God's word always has an effect. That word's in a conversion and after conversion and into all eternity. Now let me tell you a little bit more about that man that through a series of what we know was not coincidences happened to come. You know that really big cult that was born here in America? They come and knock on your door. As he asked me more questions, he felt more comfortable with me, and he started asking me questions about that cult. They were either working on him or working on one of his friends. God planned for me to be here that day to give him the sword of the word so that he could fend off those attacks. And so let me wrap up this sermon on that word having effect using Luther's explanation to the third article of the Apostles' Creed where we talk about the Holy Spirit, the one who gives us faith and the work that he does. Luther says, I believe that by my own reason or strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts and sanctified and preserved me in true faith. Just as he calls, gathers, enlightens and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and preserves it in union with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and abundantly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. And on the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and will grant eternal life to me and to all who believe in Christ. This is most certainly true. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, our maker and preserver, we praise and thank you for all that you give us day after day. We are not worthy of all the mercies you show us. You have given us your precious word to nourish our souls and to protect us from the temptations of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. We thank you for those who teach and preach your saving truth at this place and everywhere. Grant them a rich measure of patience, wisdom, and love. Heavenly Father, we pray that you shield us from every kind of danger, sudden catastrophe, terrors of crime, and the pain of disease. 
Watch over those who travel by land, sea, and air. Keep our loved ones from whatever perils may threaten them. Heal those who are sick. Cheer those who are sad. Calm those who are distressed. And comfort all who are old and infirm. Bless our land, our people, and those who hold offices of high trust. Keep our government and schools upright and strong for the advancement of good citizenship and useful vocations that we may enjoy your gifts of peace, security, and well-being. Grant your blessing to every nation on earth. Where there are wars, may there be peace. Where there is hatred, let it be healed. Where there is poverty, danger, or disaster, come with your almighty power to help and restore Sovereign Lord, we thank you for the promise that your word will not return to you empty-handed. In accordance with that promise, we ask you to give every one of us the privilege of being your instrument in sharing your word so that it may be planted in the hearts of our family and friends. Hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. We bring these requests before you in the name of Jesus, our Lord, and ask you to hear us. Take all that we have, our bodies and minds, our time and skills, our ministries and offerings, and use them to your glory. We give ourselves to you that we may serve you in whatever way is pleasing in your sight. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Live in harmony with one another and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen.